So, you know, we had our first ladies meeting last night in a while. We resumed and we're, we're learning and, and studying on hearing God. And I think that's probably the number one question with believers everywhere is how can I hear God? How can I hear from God? And um, so I'm just going to kind of tag on that a little bit tonight. Um, but I wanted to just do something first. I wanted to illustrate something first. So I brought my bag of tricks. <laughs> no, they're not tricks. They're candy. So I'm going to just throw some candy out to y'all. Anybody allergic to peanuts or anything? Well, I have Reese's too, so. All right, so here you go. Let's see how good you can catch, how good I can throw. Hey, I, that was pretty good. Oops. You don't have to eat it. <laughs> Who else wants pumpkin pie? Pumpkin pie Kit Kat. I know I can't throw it that far, but I'll throw it out, and y'all can get it. <laughs> oh, see, there you go. I forgot about the baseball player on the front row. There you go. That's why we need each other. So, if you chew on this a little bit, I wanted to get Snicker bars, but I ran out of time. Man, I really labored over this today, so that's partly why I was late. But um, if go ahead and eat it. You can eat it. If you eat it, it's a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. It's a little bit of a supplement. And you know, our son Hayden, he's really into supplements. He worked at a supplement store. That's what they. It's what they were into was supplements. And supplements are, are good to help you with your uh, goals and the things that you're aiming towards. But it's not a substitute for the real thing. But if you eat on this right now, it could fill a little space in your body. <laughs> and, you know, there's things called appetite suppressants that suppress the appetite within some of these supplements come with appetite suppressants that will actually cause you to not be as hungry as you normally would be without the supplements. And they're basically, there's food replacements. He even showed us some protein shakes that we could buy that, well, we, we do use them anyways all the time. But, and we'll, eat the, we'll drink those in the morning because, you know, we need the protein. But I find that if I have a protein bar or a protein shake in the morning, I don't need to eat till later in the day because it's supplemented and it's filled that empty space inside my body. It's given me some nutrients, but it's not everything I need. Now, if you were to give me a supplement and then present, you know, chicken and dumplings to me or a cake or something, I might be, I might be tempted, but will I be able to eat it the way I would normally eat it had I not had a supplement? No. So we went out the other night for our anniversary. We missed it during the ladies' event. It was October 1st. So we went to Cheesecake Factory. Y'all know that place. First of all, the menu is like a book, and you have to read through 40 pages and decide what you want. So we get this chicken Madeira, and it comes, and it's, the plate is this big. I mean, it's got three chicken breasts on it, and I can barely get through half of one. And I looked at him, I said, we should have shared this. This is way too much. Got through that, and then, of course, you have to have cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. You can't leave there without. And he was looking through the menu, and we both decided. Anyway, we decide we get this 
that's my point. Before you get all this lovely, wonderful food, deliciousness, they give you all this bread, bread and butter. And I had this thought, this lady that was new, that was waiting on us, I had this thought. She keeps bringing us bread and butter. This bread and butter is her bread and butter. Because she thinks I'm going to give her a big tip because she's bringing me a bunch of bread and butter. <laughs> but all it did was make me full and not want the real thing. And when I left there, I was just miserable. I couldn't even enjoy anything because I couldn't eat. I still have half of it in my refrigerator right now, by the way. Anyway, my point is, if we are feeding on supplements, this, this phrase came to me when I was meditating on this. When we become so full of supplements, it's easy to talk ourselves out of the need for our true sustenance. And God is our true sustenance. And we can fill that void with entertainment. You know, we talked about it last night with media, the screens. We can fill it with all kinds of things, business, relationships, travel. We can, we can fill it with all kinds of monetary things that fill that need on the inside. You know, um, if you're, you know, when you're young and you're dating in the dating scene, well, if you're old in the dating scene even, it can, it, can, it can fill a space in your life that is really dedicated for God. And so, um, and I've given you this example before. There was a time when I was hungry. I thought I was hungry. Go to the fridge and I get something, go sit down and eat it. That didn't satisfy. Go to the fridge, get something else. That didn't satisfy. And finally, the Holy Spirit rose up and said, why don't you spend time with me? Because that's what you really are hungry for. And we keep trying to fill it with something else. When really that hunger on the inside is a hunger for him. And so I just kind of want to tag on what we learned. Uh, I know the guys weren't with us, but she, he was talking about um, hearing God and knowing, recognizing we had five different things that, uh, can you remember them all? Distractions that keep us from hearing God. Distractions, don't remember? I meant to write them down. Um, Conflicting voices or too many voices. Sin, an unprepared heart. There was one more. Anyway, I, I thought of another one for me, and maybe it kind of goes in with one of those, but it's not recognizing his voice because there are so many. You know, someone um, sent me a video recently, a video of my father. Um, he was on TV doing telethon work for Lester Summerall. It was the night before he was killed in a plane crash. And I haven't heard his voice in over, I don't know, it was 79, so 40 years or more. And I was 13 when he passed. When I turned that video on, immediately I recognized his voice. It was so weird. And I thought, you know, I had a relationship with him as my father and I knew his voice. And even after all this time in the busyness and the craziness of my world, and now I'm married and have children and grandbabies and all that, and there's been distance that has come between us, I still know his voice. My brother's voice is very close, by the way. But anyway, so I think it's so important that we have communication with him because communication is key for us to recognize his voice. And I, like I was telling the ladies, we can be in the waiting place forever and ever and never step forward and 
be a responder to his voice. He can be speaking, but if we never draw nigh and get close, then we're just, we think we're in that waiting place. And I think it's a, you know, uh, Jimmy, one of my friends ministered at our prayer summit, and he talked about this. That you can just be in that place forever and ever waiting on God to speak, and you never initiate anything because you think you're just in the waiting place. But we're supposed to be first responders. We're to respond to him. He's there. He's done everything he could do for us. He's given us the keys to everything. We have access to the presence of God. And so if there is a gap in our relationship, it's not because of him. It's because of me. And so communication with your father affects the navigation in the spirit. And I would also like to add, and with your heart. You know, I was meditating on this on the way here. And I was thinking about how important it is, the navigation of our heart. And the word says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And what is it? I thought about that word hid. What do we hide? We hide things that are treasures. We hide things that are important to us. We hide things we don't want, we don't want to lose. Sometimes I hide things and I forget where I put them. <laughs> but when we hide the word in our heart, you know, James talks about it, that the word is hidden in our heart that, that we might not sin against him. And so uh, uh, James talks about how his word is, it, it has the power to save our soul. That first verse was in Psalms, the second one is in James. It has the power to save my soul. And I thought, sometimes we take it so literal. Well, it's the, yes, it's important that we understand what scriptures we need to draw on. We're in the middle of a battle. You need to know which sword or which weapon to pull out when you're in the middle of a battle. You might, it might require a sword. It might require a gun. It might require a slingshot and some stones. It might require a different weapon when you're in the middle of a battle. But you need to know what kind of weapons you have to use when you get there. And so those are the weapons of the word that are hidden in our heart. But I thought about it. And I think the Holy Spirit was ministering to this, this to me all the way here. Where is that scripture that talks about um, the word dividing between soul and spirit? The word will divide between soul. What is our soul? It's our mind. Why do we need the word to divide with our mind? Because sometimes our mind wants to go where our own will wants to take us instead of his will. We decide what God said, what God thinks we, we decide for God what we think we should be able to have. It's like he talked about yesterday. We pray and ask God something, but in our mind, we already have the answer and we're not backing down from it. That's, that's Hebrews 4, 12, 4.12, Hebrews 4.12. It divides between soul and spirit. So it's important that we're in the word of God, not just having scripture, but listen, there's power in the word. There's literal words that help divide between soul and spirit, mind, the will, the emotions. But there's power in the word. It's alive. It's active. And so when I hide the word of God in my heart, I'm hiding power in my heart so that I don't sin against him. Then I thought about this. Well, sometimes we just liken sin and to, to, to fleshly, 
you know, sexual sins, whatever. Sin is doubting God. Sin is talking about my neighbor. Sin is, is, is blasphemy. Sin is hypocrisy. Sin is so many things. So how is it that the word of God is, is not keeping me from, if, if I'm not hiding the word in my heart, then it's what's keeping me from falling into that place of sin. You know what I'm saying? And so it's so important that we not just get the intellectual, the mental capacity, the understanding of the word in a mental way, but in our hearts, it has to be flooding our hearts and flushing out what's in the world, the ideas of the world, the mentality, the deceptions of the world, and the power that's in the word of God has the ability to do that in my life. Does that make sense? This all came to me on the way here. So, y'all, I'm trying to give it to you the best way I can. So, in light of all that, God was just speaking to me, saying the, the importance of the communication with your father helps the navigation of your heart. What you're submitting your heart to has spiritual jurisdiction over your life. I've mentioned this before, but when you're submitting your heart to social media, or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff out there that we can submit our hearts to. We can submit our hearts to what our own desires are. And when we do that, there is a spiritual jurisdiction. There is a authority, a spiritual authority that we are submitting ourselves to. We are either submitting ourselves to our Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus being Lord of our, we say, Jesus be Lord over our lives, be Lord over my heart, be Lord over my mind. The word says, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. I'm letting him, I'm serving him with everything I know. But yet, I'm, my mind is over here thinking about something else. You know, there, there's all kinds of things that are, that are accessible online. That if I'm accessing those things, then I'm giving spiritual jurisdiction over to those things. Unbeknownst to me. It's such a dangerous thing. I have friends that think it's okay to not go to church. And they're under a spiritual, I will say, deception, but it's a jurisdiction to think that it's okay. The word says in the last days, many will be deceived. It also says to not forsake the assembling, especially in the last days. Where do we omit that? Where do we have the right to omit anything and decide that that isn't important anymore? Where, where did we become God over what we believe? Because the word tells me something, then I need to take it for what it says. And I need to hold it in my heart and hide it so that I might not sin against him. Because holiness requires separation. Holiness requires for me to live a different life. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. It requires for me to live like a king and a priest because that's who I am. It requires for me to live as a daughter of the king. And I don't think daughters of kings live like all the other daughters. There are some things that are expected. We see things in the news and people have all kinds of criticisms to say about those who are connected to the queen and different ones because they're not living what's expected of them. There's an expectation for me to live under the jurisdiction, the spiritual jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit. 
And he is holy. And holiness is required to follow the Holy Spirit. So when you cultivate your heart in God's presence, you will communicate his heart to others. I don't want to be up here trying to give you his heart if I have not been communicating with his heart. Because all I'm going to do is give you my heart, and my heart is not enough unless it's been saturated in the presence of God. Amen? So here's a couple quotes for you. The biggest communication problem is that we do not listen to understand. We listen to reply. Have you ever been misunderstood? We do this with God. <laughs> we, we communicate with him. We pour out our hearts to him. And we want to talk to him and tell him things. But are we listening to his heart for what he has to say back to us? Communication in a relationship is like oxygen to life. It, without it, it dies. If we don't have communication in our relationship with God, then the relationship dies. Have you ever felt like you can't breathe? <laughs> no response is a response, and that's a powerful one. They say that, you know, one way to dishonor someone, dishonor, is to just not respond. I hate it when people don't respond to my text. Do you guys hate that? <laughs> I think it's dishonorable. I know people take time sometimes, and I do that myself, but just at least say, okay. <laughs> and I don't like just K, because I think that's dishonorable too. By the way, <laughs> have the decency to give me two letters, all right? Okay. <laughs> if I've ever done K, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. So, you don't like what? Thumbs up. Yeah, that's another lazy one. Thumbs up. Anyways, sorry if I ever did that. I won't do it again. <laughs> So we need to commune so we can recognize his voice. And my, that's my focus tonight is, are you recognizing his voice? A lot of people think they're recognizing his voice, but they're recognizing something else. And I'm just going to bring this point up really quickly. If you're feeding your flesh more than you're feeding your spirit, then your flesh is what's leading you. And you can think that you're in the presence of God hearing him. But most likely, if you've been feeding your flesh, you're following your flesh. I've heard, had people say, oh, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to do this or say this. And I look at their life, their spiritual life, and I'm questioning. I don't know. I don't know if that was your spirit or if that was your emotion <laughs> speaking. Because our emotions can speak very loudly. Amen? And so, I don't want to say so be it, but it happens. <laughs> Take that amen back. So, it's important that when we're praying to God, and when we're laying out our heart before him, that we are allowing him to speak to us, that we're listening for him, that we're giving him time. That's part of communication, is you talk to me, and I talk to you. There, it, it goes back and forth. It's not a one-way street. So praying is half the job, but hearing him is the other half. And um, I like this in John 10, 1 through 3. Did you, do you have that video? You have it ready? Yes? You're not answering me. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. Okay. Talking to you. Um, okay, so let's look at John 10, 1 through 3. Jesus said to the Pharisee, listen to this eternal truth. The person who speaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen, rather than coming through the gate, reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right in up to the gate in the front. 
And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd. For he calls his own by name and he leads them out for they belong to him. I heard this long translation of this. Rick Renner gave all kinds of Greek definition. And he talked about, he's talking about the great shepherd and he's talking about the under shepherd, the pastors, and how pastors come in the front, the front of the gate and lead. Anybody else coming in through the back door trying to act like they're the leader, the pastor, and they're not coming from the front and they're not underneath the covering of the pastor is a wolf. And we need to be careful of that. And he said the pastor will be in the front and he will lead. The, the, he's there to protect. He's there to teach. He's, te he's there to feed. He's there to guide, to correct, to give help. And the, and the people, the sheep know his voice and they heed to it. And they listen to it because it brings them life. It helps protect them. And when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walked ahead of them. And they all will follow for they are familiar with his voice. They know his voice. They recognize his heart. They've heard him. They've submitted to him. The big S word, I know. But they've submitted to the call and the leading of the spirit in and through. And then there is an honor. And God, there's an order to everything that God does. And, and God honors that. Amen. And I have other sheep that I will gather which are not of his. This Jewish flock, this is the Gentiles he's talking to. And I, their shepherd, must lead them too. That's us. And they will follow me and listen to my voice. And I will join them all into one flock with one shepherd. You know, I thought about this. I was looking at this scripture and thinking about how important it is um, for us to follow our, our, our shepherd, our Jesus, but our under-shepherd, and how um, nowadays, you know, I had a friend tell me, Austin is just very, it's, it's just so kind of hippie. It's, they're still rooted in that hippie thing. It's, I'm going to do what I want to do. Don't tell me what I want, tell me to do. And she was saying how it's kind of bled into the church. And I thought, well, that's not the spirit of God. That's not the spirit of submission to authority. That's not order. And I, and I was thinking about it like this. You know, uh, there are laws of the land. There are policemen. And what are they called? They're, they're called, they're peace officers, and they bring law and order. And so we don't come to them and say, I'm not listening and obeying. Well, there are some that do that, and they get put in jail. But there's a reason for the law and order so that we don't run into each other and we don't die because we're going too fast. And, you know, you get the, my drift. There is a reason for the law and the order. It's for our protection. And so in the church, there is a law and order that has been put in place by God himself. And we just obey what he's told us to do. We put that law and order in place. It's, and a lot of people say, oh, you're just trying to control. I'm not trying to control. I don't want to control you. I got enough to control at home. Are you kidding me? Not my husband, but I'm just saying, you know, kids, house, laundry, stuff. I'm trying to control my own life. I don't need any more. But what we are doing is we're bringing law and order. And when I say law, it just means the law of love and order to what we're doing because it helps bring guidance, it helps bring protection, and we can do things God's way. That really helped me. Maybe it'll help you. So John 10, 27 says, My own sheep will hear my voice, and I know each one, and they will follow me. 
They will follow me. When I pray this scripture over my kids and over whomever, I always say, Father, I thank you that we hear your voice, the voice of a shepherd and the voice of a stranger. I will not follow and I will not hear. I will not hear it because I hear your voice so strongly. I will not hear the voice of a stranger. So I saw this little video. I want to show it to you really quickly before we run out of time because I thought it was such a great, I'm a visual learner and I thought it was so good. Emma will appreciate it. It has animals. <laughs> so this person is making a noise and the sheep are not responding at all. I saw another video and she was making a noise. Oh, you can hear it now. that amazing? They recognized him. They started looking over. <laughs> you can stop it. So there's another one I watched. I was kind of just searching through. There was a lady who actually did an illustration for children with this. And she said, okay, come on, girls. Come on, girls. And the girls were, there was just a couple of them. I like this one better because there's so many. But there was a couple of mama sheep and they were waiting on their babies. The babies were not listening and obeying because they were immature and they weren't listening as well as the mature ones. And then the mature ones were waiting on the immature ones to come and obey. There's a whole lesson in that, we won't go there. But it just amazed me, I thought, isn't that, so? they finally came eventually. And she even made the comment, the babies have not learned to follow the voice yet. They're still learning. And so I want to just touch on this. Three ways to recognize and know it's God's voice. Number one is it's innate. We're born with a natural instinct to know our Father's voice. Just like um, I was saying how I recognize my dad's voice. Uh, we have this lovely dog in the backyard named Tebow that is my thorn in the flesh, my husband's dog. <laughs> and at night, well, all day long, probably 10 times a day, anytime an emergency vehicle makes a noise, the dog howls. You guys have heard the story. He doesn't just bark. He howls. He sings and goes on and on and on. And if I shout out at him, he doesn't seem to listen to me. Now, if my husband goes out and shouts at him, he will respond. But he is he's, he, it's his way of communication, but it doesn't go both ways. 
I go out there and try to tell him something, and finally, and he doesn't say, oh, I'm so sorry, I apologize for waking you up in the middle of the night or at 6 in the morning. I am so sorry, I disturbed your sleep. No, he doesn't do that. All he does is have a way of communication, and it is not innate in him to know my voice. He knows his voice, but not my voice. In us, we have an, a natural instinct to recognize our Father's voice. When he speaks to us, we, he communicates to us. We know we can hear his voice. I think sometimes we question it. We doubt it. We doubt that we're hearing his voice. The second one is it's, it's also learned. It's innate, but then there's a learning process. So, uh, you know, there's a whole story where Jesus taught them how to pray. Um, and remember the story about Samuel when he was sleeping and he, God was speaking to him. You guys know the story. Three different times he came out to Eli and said, I heard your voice. And he said, no, next time say, you know, Lord, Lord, hear my, your servant hears. So I've used that on my children many times. They'll come to me and say, did you call me? I'll say, no, just, it's God's voice. Just say, Lord, 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 I'm here. You know, I tease with them, but I do want them to learn. So it's a learning process, learning his voice, understanding his voice, hearing his voice. Sometimes, you know, we might be questioning it, but the more we listen and the more we tune in, the more we'll hear. Um, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, this is the passion. It says, if you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Pour out all your worries and stresses on him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. So God does care. He does want to hear us. He does want to be attentive to our, to our voice. He wants to answer our prayers. You know, the word says to seek him and you'll find him. Knock and it'll be open. And so it's important that we go to him, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. And then also Proverbs uh, 15, 15. Um, I love this scripture. I'm going to read this. I need my glasses. I'm going to read this one out of the Amplified. And I brought my Bible because it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of torn and old, but it has all my little notes in it. So this word, all the days of desponding and aff are afflicted and afflicted, are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. But he who has a glad heart has a continual feast, regardless of their circumstances. So the reason why I brought this up in this spot here is because a lot of times we will anticipate, and let me give you the, the uh, definition of these words. The word desponding here means to be low in spirit or have no hope. Have you ever been there? Afflicted, distressed, or pain, in pain made evil by anxious thoughts or forebodings. That's like thinking ahead of something that might happen and that might be evil. You're already anticipating something terrible happening in the future, and it's not really happening. You're just anxiously thinking about it, and you're thinking it's going to happen. All those kind of thoughts, all they do is cause anxiety. But the word says that he who has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of his circumstances, regardless. But I, find, I have found that when I have those feelings of anxiety and frustration and I go to the Lord, that's where I have learned. I have learned his voice. I've learned him calling me and saying, why don't you bring this to me? I've learned him beckoning me and pulling me in and saying, it's time to let go of this. You know, 
um, this thought has come to me about, you know, age. There's just an expectancy. To me, it's a foreboding of what happens to your body when you turn 55 or when you turn 60 or when you turn 65. All these things supposedly are supposed to happen. And the Holy Ghost really arrested me and said, why are you anticipating those things just because the world says you have to have it because of your age? And I felt like it was an anxious thought and foreboding of the future. And the Lord showed me, I need you to learn to trust me in this. So there's an example. I'm just giving an example of that learning process of hearing him, him drawing me and him correcting me and me making the adjustment. Because he wants to do that in our life, but I think a lot of times we're not listening or we're just too busy or we're not heeding to his call. We're not responding. We're not acting on it. So I corrected myself and said, Lord, you know, I forgive me. I know what the word says about my life. I know what the word says about my mind, what the word says about our body, that we can have a renewed mind, a transformed mind. Amen. And then the third one is it's matured. We mature. And that, that, that's a part of, of hearing him is a maturity, not just in the speaking part, but in the content part. And uh, an example of this is um, we were going through McDonald's one time, and Hayden, our eldest, was in the car. Well, they were all in the car. And he, I forget how old he was. He's probably six or seven. And there was a very large, large lady that was helping me in the drive-thru at McDonald's. And very openly, Hayden is mature enough to know better, but the content of what came out of his mouth astounded me, and I was so embarrassed. I even apologized. He commented on this lady's size very loudly. That was immature of him. And a lot of times I have noticed that, that people that claim to be mature or spiritual in the Lord don't have a spiritual maturity in the content of what's coming out of their mouth. Does that make sense? There has to be a growing in the Lord and knowing what is right and what is wrong to give. And the timing, the Lord will give you something. Maybe for somebody, there's a timing for everything. So Philippians 3, 12 through 16 says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his, this abund his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to, to fulfill and wants me to discover. Don't depend on my own strength. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling fo focus. I forget all that's in the past, and I fasten my heart to the future instead. Don't you like how he says that? I fasten my heart. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. That is so awesome. So let all who are fully mature, can you say I am fully mature, have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, then God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach the victory prize following one path with one passion. What is he saying here? What is the fully mature doing? They're forgetting what's behind. They're reaching for what's ahead. They're pressing toward the mark of the prize. They're letting go of what's behind them. And they're moving towards what's, that's maturity. That's not hanging on to the past. That's not, that's not being offended at what happened even yesterday. That's not talking about your yesterday. You got to be reaching for your future. That's being fully mature. And that is what I want to be. <laughs> that's where I want to be. Amen? So there's also the, there's also the people that want to give you a message a minute. 
And those are the people that say, God told me this, and God told me that. Every time you talk to them, God told me this. Oh, well, God told me that. And, and the other day I was praying, and God told me, and God told me. We used to have a friend. My mom had a friend. She had to have God tell her what toilet paper brand to buy. God doesn't care about what brand of toilet paper. You don't have to have God telling you every single thing you're doing. You know why? Because you have the Holy Ghost. You have the guide on the inside. The guide, his job, the Holy Spirit, is to lead you into truth and out of lies in all things. The voice is, is telling you which way to go. The voice is helping you be mature. The voice, the Holy Spirit on the inside, is helping you be mature and step up and move what forward to what God has called you to do, his purpose, his plans, his pursuits for your life. Let's let go of the junk because that's where the immaturity lies. Be careful about saying what, be careful about saying what God said. We've had people leave here and say, well, God told me to leave because da-da-da-da-da. Well, they think that that is the ultimate end. What are we supposed to say to them when they say that? We know in our spirits that it wasn't God, it was something else. But they, that's the last word God said. And so we can't come back and say, no, that, that wasn't right. And we're not being looked to as pastors for guidance at all anyways at that point. So, but my point is, is we'll stand accountable for every idle word. And if God didn't tell you that, then you're going to stand before God. And he's going to say, I didn't say that. Why did you say I said that? You know what I mean? We're going to be accountable for what we say that God said. So we need to be careful. Okay, there is a patterned life from following him. I don't give instruction and correction to my children all the time. There is a time and a place for that, and the maturity comes, and then they're on their own to follow after the Holy Spirit themselves. That's where we come to. There is a patterned life that we follow him to towards, and then he's not wanting to have to correct us every turn. Well, you did that wrong. Well, you did that wrong. Well, you did that. All that is is shame-based. And with shame-based comes blame. Every time you feel, you know, someone's walking in shame, they're going to be blaming somebody else for why their, their life is the way it is. You can't be blaming everybody else. Take ownership, receive correction, get new direction, and get some maturity in your life and move forward. Amen? Ephesians 4. And that's part of recognizing his voice. That's what I'm talking about. It's part of recognizing his voice here. Maturity comes. Ephesians 4.11. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity. Did you hear that? Full dimensions of spiritual maturity. So there's dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. Well, praise God. <laughs> and we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings, or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. That's the fruit. Love. 
all our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image, that's us, and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member who has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all, and as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Isn't that good? So there's a, the whole point in that is there's a, a spiritual maturity that we come to where we hear his voice, we recognize his voice, we're walking in, in the fullness of what we're called to do and his purposes, his plans. We're not distracted by, by the world or, or what the life has to offer us. We're really focused on what, what we're here for. There's not the point and hope philosophy. We call it point and hope, where you just need some hope, and you're like, Lord, just tell me where to go, what to do. Okay, Proverbs 15. You know, you never know what you're going to get when you do that point and hope you get the right one. <laughs> and fleeces. How many know what fleeces are? Fleeces are testing God by saying, if you will do this, if you, if you make this happen, God, if my husband wears a red shirt tonight, then I'll know that I'm supposed to fast for 10 days. I'm just using that as an example. That's testing God. We don't test God. We are led by his spirit. We are led by his voice. We are not led by circumstances or things that happen. You know, we had, uh, I know a lady who came and she would say, oh, there was a feather, the feathers that fell out of, some trailer on the way here, and that was a sign. And remember that? And there was what, what, there was something else, pins or something. And I was just thinking, oh, my goodness. If I was leading my life according to all these kinds of goofy circumstances, I never would be able to hear God's voice. The guide is on the inside. So the more we give him time, the more we communicate, the more we will recognize his voice and have an understanding of, you know, it's, it's simple things. It's through the word. It's, it's through, through our heart. It's through our spirits. You know, we were worshiping here tonight. I, I just saw myself laying hands on Cat, and that was recognizing his voice. Cat needs something tonight. We need to pray for her. So, you know, it's simple things like that that we just, and we obey. And the more we obey, the louder his voice gets. Amen. And, and I will mention last night, you know, we, we learned this too. There are seasons where we go through those desert times and we don't hear him as loudly as we normally do. Like Jesus, when he went into the desert, he didn't hear for a while. And, um, but when we come out of those times, boy, do we really hear him and it's very welcomed. And it makes us, want to, it makes us desire to hear him even more in those seasons. So praise God. We need to hear his voice in this hour. Amen. There are many voices and many distractions. On my way here, I thought, Lord, you gave me this child to, to help me grow in this area. He likes to talk. And on the way here, I was praying in the spirit and meditating on these things. And Braden is telling me all kinds of stories all the way here. And his mouth is gone. And I'm just praying in the Holy Ghost the whole time, listening to my heart while he's talking. And I thought, this is the way it is. The world is loud. The world is distracting. The world wants to talk to us all the time so that we can't hear him. We have to shut things down and, and tune in and hone in to his voice so that we recognize it when he speaks. 